Hi, and welcome to another episode of Chart of Fortune, the astrology podcast where I look at the birth charts of the moments and things that made pop culture. I'm your host, Elise Blaylock, and before we get into today's episode, I want to first acknowledge that at least in the United States, this holiday season is going to be like every Disney Channel original TV show from 2007 onward. And by that, I mean things are just a little out of the ordinary. Unfortunately, not out of the ordinary in a Disney Channel fun way, like families being witches or country music stars, or having a talking dog that writes a blog, despite the very obvious plot hole that a podcast would be an infinitely more effective medium for the talking dog. No, instead, this year we're living in a pandemic, and that means getting together to celebrate the holidays, even ones with deeply problematic origin stories like Thanksgiving, is out the window. But hey, maybe you're rejoicing because you won't be stuck explaining that the election was free and fair and legitimate to your Uncle Frank. Maybe you feel some gratitude in knowing that this year you don't have to invent an excuse about why you aren't attending. Like last year when you developed a strange and temporary food allergy to cranberries, there remains a medical mystery to this day, especially when the only known cure was avoiding traveling home and watching copious amounts of Bravo Housewife reruns. The truth is, Aunt Susan, there's so much we have yet to learn about the human body. And this year, there's no chance of making those poor choices that are so tempting when you go home for just that brief amount of time. Yeah, you know, maybe a few years ago, you made the mistake of DMing a high school friend, crush thing on your way home, and then drunkenly hooking up with them in front of an Arby's. But hey, we've all been there, or at least we've all been to Arby's. You know who should feel bad? The pilgrims for getting everyone sick. You know, no one wants your used blanket unless it's the airline who gave it to you in the first place. And if you're listening to this in your childhood bedroom because this pandemic has forced you to move home, I know that the toxic Thanksgiving you likely have been looking to avoid is now clearly unavoidable. Stay strong. Return to that teenage mental place. Pull the sleeves of their shirts over your hands. Roll your eyes so far back in your head that you can see the most recent Paris Hilton mugshot. Sigh loudly whenever possible. And know that we are all rooting for you. I'm going to paraphrase the patron saying of emo teenage behavior, our lady of perpetual disdain, Avril Lavigne, when I say you will overcome because you are the motherfucking princess. Eight years of Catholic school and you too can be an expert in the saints, ladies and gentlemen. In the name of suspenders, whipped right, ribbed, white tanks, and eyeliner. Amen. So if you miss your family, are stuck with your family, or you've decided to partake in the traditional Thanksgiving feast of white women everywhere, Milano's and Pinot Grigio, to give thanks on Thursday, please know that this is a safe place. Now, I think it was either Nicole Richie or Leo Tolstoy who taught us that happy families are all alike, but every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. And this week's episode is about an unhappy and dysfunctional family, the Lohans. I'm delving into the gone too soon e-show, Living Lohan. Now, this show is not the EO Network show, where Lindsay is sober-ish and living in New York and Los Angeles and dealing with her storage unit and her sobriety and a very uppity assistant. Nor is this the show where Lindsay buys a Greek beachfront resort and hires hot people to pretend to work an hourly wage. I mean, yes, we need to address these triumphs of the reality medium, and they will occur in future episodes. But this follows Dina Lohan, Lindsay's mother, Aliana Lohan, and Dakota Cody, for those in the know, Lohan, who are Lindsay's younger brother and sister. It's supposed to be an inside peek at this famous family and their daily lives as Allie pursues a music career. 
And it's completely understandable if you miss this obscure pop culture gem when it came out. It's also very understandable if you do remember the show and not watching it. One could be forgiven for having skipped it because, as a Slate.com piece put it, the show is crisply edited and tangibly ironic without pushing its points too hard. But living Lohan is not a symptom of cultural decay, instead an active agent of it, commodifying the very youth and soul of Allie Lohan, younger sister of poor little Lindsay. Living Lohan is one big exploitative mess. But whether you are frantically Googling this and recalling repressed memories of late 2000s e-network programming or not, here's what you need to know. One, if you do decide you need to watch this show, it is on YouTube. And two, the year that the show takes place is 2008. May of 2008 specifically. Now, Lindsay does not appear on this show, but her life in 2008 is extremely relevant context in my not-so-humble opinion. Lindsay Lohan in 2008 is less the teenage ingenue starring in films that we love. She's been in rehab the year prior, there are well-publicized issues with her delaying filming on I Know Who Killed Me, and she'll have a second DUI by the end of 2007. She gets a small role in Ugly Betty the same month and year, May 2008, that Living Lohan premieres on E! It's the first role she had since the box office, I Know Who Killed Me, and that movie didn't do well. Now, you could be optimistic and claim that this show, Living Lohan, was a way to humanize family in the spotlight who are dealing with a family member's addiction and struggles. You could be decidedly more skeptical and say that the show was made because of Lindsay's incredibly public struggles. But either way, I'm going to admit right now I have an odd connection to this show. My sister is, perhaps was only, the proud owner of an oversized t-shirt that said Living Lohan on it. She received said shirt from my cousin. As with so many magical talismans handed down through the ages, the exact origins of the shirt are unknown. One day, it was in our lives, and we could barely imagine a time where the aforementioned Haynes 50-50 cotton t-shirt wasn't being worn with boxer shorts for casual at-home activities. Indeed, it was likely the presence of this shirt that propelled me to watch the show. I'm a marketer's dream. I was back then and am today the furthest thing from a reality television snob. Much like the fashion of 2008, the messier and more unnecessarily complicated a plotline and television show, the more I loved it. Why settle for simple backstabbing and hookup culture of Big Brother when you can spend 30 minutes each week wondering how and why a show about a tanning salon exists and why you're still watching it after two seasons? This is what keeps me alive. Just in case you need additional context to set the scene for Living Lohan, a highlight of the show to me was Tina explaining the difference between beef jerky and jerk chicken, and that's because this was unclear to Allie. It was almost as bad as convincing the e-network audience that somehow Las Vegas is where a 14-year-old should be making an album, or frankly that Las Vegas is a place a 14-year-old child should be at all. The birth chart I'm using is from the show's premiere date, and thanks again to IMDb, shout out for the Napoleon Dynamite episode, for giving us an exact birth time of when this aired. I'm using May 26, 2008 as the day, 10.30 p.m. as the original airtime, and North Merrick, New York as the birthplace. North Merrick, New York is the location of the house they filmed at. And since we know the time it aired, we actually know all of the house placements. So for the big three, Living Lohan is a Gemini Sun, Capricorn Rising, and Aquarius Moon. The chart has an auspicious placement with Jupiter in the first house. This is usually indicative of someone who is super confident and likable and magnetic. You have the planet Jupiter of expansion in the first house of self. But Jupiter has its trouble with limits. I mean, it is the planet of expansion after all. 
Now, this placement is a little tempered by the fact that Jupiter in the chart is in 21 degrees of Capricorn. So it's firmly in an Earth sign, and Capricorn being Saturn ruled puts a little damper on the Jupiter stay all night, gamble the chips away energy. We also have Pluto at zero degrees of Capricorn in the first house. Pluto first house, there's no way around it. We've talked about it before, and frankly, it's intense. It also usually means that the chart holder has either like a really distinctive personality or a really distinctive physical look because the first house is us, our self, and also how we appear to others. In this chart, these two planets are telling us, yeah, there's some very real magnetism here, but some of that magnetism is because there is an unmistakable and tragic ethos around them that is just pure Pluto energy. It's the car wreck thing, right? You can't look away. I also want to say that despite the fact that Lindsay is not in the chart, she is the most famous low hand, and it didn't surprise me that we do have a placement that to me is pure Lindsay vibes. Lindsay is referenced here. We typically look into the influence of family members for someone's chart in the fourth house. And now in this case, the chart has a fourth house cusp. So that just means what sign is ruling the fourth house. In this case, it's Aries. And there are no planets in that sign or house. So there's nothing there. But the show revolves around Allie Lohan. And so we see Uranus at 22 degrees in Pisces. It's in the third house, right? Pisces is comes before Aries when you're starting at Capricorn. And I really think that that 22 degrees Pisces, a Pisces Uranus in the third house of siblings, it's about the chaotic and revolutionary change of Uranus in the third house of siblings. It's Lindsay. It's Lindsay's 2008 and beforehand chaotic behavior. It speaks to the fact that there's potentially strained relationship or chaotic and changing relationship that Ali and Lindsay have with one another. I don't want to imply that I think they don't care about each other. I think it's pretty clear they do. But the fact that there's so much uh, Uranus energy in the third house is one about communication, but also about siblings. And I think that this is really about, you know, Allie and Lindsay together and how difficult it would be to have be Allie and be a teenager, be a teenager on TV, and even harder to be a teenager when your sister is constantly plastered over television and glossy tabloids for being a mess. Now, there are two other houses that I want to bring up. Um, Just a quick note, the sun is in Gemini and it's in the sixth house. Um, That typically is someone who really needs to find balance in work and routine. And I think that's interesting, but what really caught my eye was the second and the eighth houses. They have reciprocal themes to one another, and this is gonna be true for all of the house pairings. So 1st and 7th, 2nd, 8th, 3rd and 9th, 4th and 10th, 5th and 11th, 6th and 12th. Cool. Okay, they all have reciprocal themes to one another. In this case, 2nd house rules personal resources and wealth and the things that you have at your disposal to utilize. And the 8th house is about other people's money and resources that you have access to and taxes. Taxes is included because it's things that you owe to others, right? or that others might owe to you. Um, The eighth house also rules death, but in this case, I don't think we're looking at that. So in the second house, we have an exact conjunction of the moon and the planet Neptune at 24 degrees of Aquarius. The moon often symbolizes the mother figure in the chart, or in more progressive and inclusive terms, it's the more nurturing parent or adult figure in the chart holder's life. But I wanna be clear, 
in this chart, I believe strongly this is Dina Lohan. So it is the mother. This moon being exactly conjunct Neptune, it's a lot of idealistic, dreamy energy here, right? There's some momager, idealism. Dina believes wholeheartedly that just like Lindsay, her baby girl Allie is going to be a big star and she'll make a ton of money as a wildly successful pop singer. Neptune in the second house is a little bit about being unrealistic or dreamy, idealistic with resources. It could mean that someone has bad time management or a hard time managing their finances. They just don't think in concrete terms the same way. It could also be that someone has really creative abilities with their resources. You know, they are able to look at what they do have and find ways to use it really well. But I can't let this whole idealizing mom energy go. This moon is very involved in the fact that it's an exact conjunction with Neptune. Just it can't be ignored. This whole house, despite being in the aloof sign of Aquarius, which is an air sign, it feels like there's a lot of emotional, like charged energy here, right? The moon's super emotional. So is Neptune. I really think this is about idealism and projections. And that makes me a little nervous. We also have the eighth house which is six houses away from the second because math. And that means that while the second house is in Aquarius, the eighth house will be in the opposite sign, which is Leo. The six house, six houses away rule applies to any two houses. So again, that first and seventh, second and eighth, so on and so forth. We have Mars in the eighth house in this sign or in this chart. And that Mars is in nine degrees of Leo. Mars In Leo, the planet Mars that rules our actions, our body, anything like the car we drive in someone's birth chart. And it's how we fight or, you know, like engage maybe more um, aggressively with people. And it's in this exuberant sign of Leo. Mars in Leo feels like 100% unadulterated, unfiltered confidence. There is never a doubt on the show that Allie's career is going to take off. There is no time for them to have considered any other thought. That people were absolutely going to buy this album. They would absolutely invest their time and money in making Allie a star. E knew this E program was going to be just the, the starting point for Allie. But these second and eighth houses, they don't quite live up to this confidence and idealism that we see they're projecting. And this is nowhere more clear than the fact that unfortunately this series runs for one very abbreviated season of nine episodes. Now, if Dina is to be believed, the second season didn't come to fruition because of creative differences between her family and the producers. She said, they wanted us to do these crazy things like my son cheating on his girlfriend, me faking a pregnancy. I was like, no, no, no. They had ideas that weren't conducive to our ideas. Now, for what it's worth, this revelation occurred in the illustrious tabloid Life and Style magazine, which of course is the people magazine for those households that run on coffee, wine, and Jesus. Live, laugh, love, Lohan? On so many episodes of this podcast, I have a reboot or another date related to the original topic, and we use those charts to look at the original chart. I considered using the end date of the series, but I'll be honest, it was a little less than two months after the show aired. And there's not enough changes between those dates that made for anything really compelling. So I'm shifting gears and I'm kind of breaking my own rules. And I'm looking at the charts of Dina and Allie to see if there are any interesting aspects that we can see from their birth charts to the chart of the show. Now, I mentioned earlier that Allie Lohan is the focus of the show. And it makes a lot of sense when you pull up her birth chart and look at it next to the show's chart. You know, we call that uh, synastry. 
I don't have an exact birth time and I don't for Dean either, but I do know the day and, uh, the year. So we know she's a sun sign Capricorn and her birthday is December 22nd, 1993. Allie has three planets, her sun, Mercury, and Uranus and Capricorn. But I'll be honest, sun, Mercury conjunction or close to, you guys know, not super interesting, pretty common. But the sun and Uranus are really interesting. And let me tell you why. Her sun is in zero degrees of Capricorn. So she's an early Capricorn. It's also exactly conjunct the Pluto in the show's chart. Do you remember that zero degree Capricorn sun for Allie? Zero degree Capricorn Pluto in the show's chart. Sun and Pluto meeting up. Mm, I don't know. Do you guys want to take this one? I think it's about big freaking changes happening in your life, right? Sun, the planet of self meeting up with Pluto, the planet of revolution, destruction, rebirth. Hmm. Her Uranus is also conjunct that 21 degrees of Jupiter in the show chart. So again, some more Capricorn placements, her Uranus, 21 degrees of Capricorn. The charts, uh, the show's chart has Jupiter in 21 degrees of Capricorn. When Jupiter and Uranus come together, things are going to happen for you, but they're not going to turn out the way you expected. I'll explain more, and believe me, I have proof. But Allie's recording career is actually somewhat successful, but it's not successful in the way the show tells us it's going to be. I also think that it's really interesting that Lindsay is a sun sign Cancer, and Allie is a sun sign Capricorn, and that means that their sun signs are directly opposite one another. Allie's always been able to maintain that Capricorn coolness in the public eye, and that's very much in direct comparison to the numerous emotional moments that we have seen from Lindsay and that she is so quick to reveal. Now, moving to Dina's chart, again, the birth time, it's not exact, but we do know that she is a Virgo sun, Aries moon, with a birthday of September 15th, 1962. In case you forgot that Dina is the matriarch of the Lohan line, then looking at the charts together provides a little insight. Her moon is in 13 degrees of Aries. Again, the planet most associated with a mother is the same sign of the chart's fourth house of family. So Dina is an Aries moon and Aries is the fourth house cusp. So that's why I'm saying that it's falling in the show charts fourth house of family. And just a quick note for those who at home, Aries moons get things done. Maybe you've heard of Pisces queen Rihanna and her notorious Aries moon. Yeah. Dina is clearly the heart of the family and the momager in charge. Do not get in her way when she's drinking in her coffee and checking the papers for Lindsay's latest 2008 antics. That actually happens on the show. It's a little forced. We also see that Dana, sorry, Dina's natal Uranus is in two degrees of Virgo, and that is exactly conjunct the show charts Saturn in two degrees of Virgo. Now, if you're Dina, Saturn forming an exact conjunction with your Uranus is intense. Arguably, it's even more intense because her son is in Virgo, but it's such a late degree that they're not making it anything but an insign conjunction. You are looking to change, right? Your Uranus placement? Uranus, after all. But Saturn is pushing on those ideas that you want to make happen. The world might be pushing on your grand plans, or they might not agree with the itinerary you set forth for your life. And in the case of the show, it's clear that maybe America wasn't ready or completely on board for the all-access pass to the Lohan family inner workings and the next phase of the Lohan Hollywood royalty plan. 
Dina, I want you to know that I, for one, was 100% on board. Maybe it's my Virgo moon seeing this all go down. But girl, if you had managed to have Lindsay appear on the show instead of being on the occasional forced phone call, then Oprah and I wouldn't have had to shed so many tears and waste hours of our life watching Lindsay schlep fur coats from Los Angeles to New York. And yes, I do think that Dina listens to this podcast. I'll have you know I have at least one listener in the state of New Jersey, and my money is that it's either Dina or Cody Lohan. But to conclude this, it's not just you and yours that have seen their share of struggles in this year of our Lord Britney Spears 2020. In January, Dina Lohan was unfortunately arrested for several charges, including driving under the influence and leaving the scene of an accident in Nassau County. She also had four other charges brought against her, operating an unregistered vehicle, operating an unexpected ve- uninspected vehicle, driving without a license, and an aggravated unlicensed operation of a vehicle in the third degree. Now, some of those seem a little less than legit charges, but from the Chart of Fortune family, which is mostly just me, I'm wishing Dina Lohan a safer 2021. But before you despair, there is a happy ending. Aliana, Allie to friends, family, and her oddly specific 103,000 followers on Instagram seems to be doing okay. Our girl has four albums, three of which are Christmas albums. There is that Uranus surprise. Her discography includes, in chronological order, All the Way Around, I Like Christmas, Christmas with Allie Lohan, and Lohan Holiday. Her first album, which was the focus of the show and was called All the Way Around, has a single also called All the Way Around, and it did manage to get to number 75 on the Billboard Hot Digital Singles list. So good for her. Allie also went on to have a role in a Disney Channel original movie called Mostly Ghostly, based off an R.L. Stein work in 2008. Now, admittedly, I was a little old for that movie, and I don't remember it, but I do remember Goosebumps, and frankly, that's good enough for me. But I'm saving the best news of all of this for last. If you're one of those people who insist on listening to Christmas music before the Thanksgiving Day balloons have been deflated, then I have a holiday treat for you. I may disagree wholeheartedly with your understanding of American holidays and the passage of time, but this year, it's about coming together. And in that spirit, I dug through the festive YouTube graveyard that is Allie Lohan's Christmas album videos. And I highly suggest you do the same, because I don't really think it's the holidays until you've listened to Christmas Groove. But I'll leave you with a little Jesus birthday magic I like to call, and they like to call, Lohan Holiday. So whether you're a Las Vegas pop star or just the desperate stage mom who got her there, please remember that everyone and everything has a birth chart, but yours is a chart of fortune. Thank you for listening to Chart of Fortune. You can send questions, comments, concerns, and show ideas to chartoffortune at gmail.com or to my Instagram, Chart of Fortune. Leave a five-star review, and I'll read it on an upcoming episode. I love each and every one of you. And without further ado, Allie, play us out.